Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's Thursday morning, folks. Good morning to you and thanks for your company on SEN 1170 AM in Sydney. Wherever you're tuning in via the SEN app, we've got a big one. A bombshell day in Australian sports. So let's try and make sense of it all. We'll start with the forecast. First up for Sydney, though, partly cloudy tops of 23 in the city and 27 in the west for Adelaide. Day one of the test match. Yes, there's a test match starting today. Cloudy and 21 today for Adelaide. Warming up to 33 by Saturday. And there are some showers forecast for Sunday, which would be day four of the test. And Monday, if it gets that far, day five of the test. So that's all in front of us at the Adelaide Oval. And we'll dive into that soon with Simon Cadditch. But the David Warner bombshell is exactly that. I mean, this is big stuff in Australian sport. And it's a modern reflection, too, of how players these days have the platforms to control their own messages. This one did not come out on an official piece of paperwork. It came out through social media, which means that David Warner had complete control over every single word that he said, and he didn't miss. He will now never hold a position of leadership in Australian cricket after pulling out of the process to have his lifetime ban overturned. And he's taken a massive swipe at this independent review panel that was put in place to hear his case and further cases. Warner says, I'm not prepared for my family to be the washing machine for cricket's dirty laundry. He's used some strong words, some strong phrases, public lynching, a so-called cleansing that they are after. Humiliation and harm. He spoke about being subject to a crushing, unprecedented penalty, about offensive and unhelpful comments, and his family being exposed to another media circus. This is strong stuff from a current player. If they bat today, he'll walk out first. And of course, if they decide to bowl, he'll be in the field, wearing the Australian colours. The timing of this cannot be ignored. He released a lengthy social media statement, as I said, which he controls on the eve of this second test. Maximum full-blown impact, nuclear, a shot straight between the eyes. We'll get the full details of that, and I'm going to explain it to you at length so you understand exactly what's happening here. Let's go deeper than the headlines on this one. Simon Kadich is going to join me, so I'll get his thoughts on that and also on Scotty Bowling coming in. Uh, Paddy Cummins is out, so no room for Lance Morris or Michael Nisa there. We'll catch up with Alistair Dobson, the general manager of the BBL. There's still some toing and froing around Steve Smith, trying to get him back into the Sydney Sixers and BBL lineup, but it's now getting complicated because all of the Sydney Sixers spots, the roster spots, are taken. And Cricket Australia has so far refused to give Smith a top-up marketing contract. They're not going to pay him at the moment to come on in, which means... He'd have to come in as a replacement for James Vince, the English player who'll be here for half of the tournament, and then they'll have to pay him on a match-by-match basis. So that's floating around the BBL. 
And in terms of the start of the competition itself, well, that happens next Tuesday. The Sydney Thunder against the Melbourne Stars. Nathan McAndrew is lining up again for the Thunder. So we'll catch up with him off the back of a win for South Australia, who he plays for in the Sheffield Shield. They got a good win, and he was a part of it, their first win of the season. Simon Hill will be on the phone. The host of uh, SEN's The Global Game, of course. Has this World Cup been the best ever in terms of group matches? Well, FIFA president Gianni Infantino reckons so. In fact, he's made this bold claim. This is what he dropped his own bombshell, apparently, in a press conference as we await the quarterfinals. This is what the FIFA president had to say. This has been the best group stage of uh, a World Cup ever. So this is very promising, fantastic atmosphere, great goals, incredible excitement, surprises, uh, small teams beating big teams. Uh, well, there are no more small teams and no more big teams. The level is very, very equal. Uh, for the first time as well, national teams from all continents going to the knockout phase. For the first time in history, this shows that football is really becoming truly global. Uh, well, thanks for that. Thank you for that, Gianni. That's um, absolutely mind-blowing. Does anyone really care if they're the best group stages of a World Cup ever, the best group matches? He's channeling Juan Antonio Samaranch. That's all he's got to say, blowing wind up well, you know where. The quarterfinals, of course, start on the weekend, Saturday into Sunday. So Croatia, Brazil, Netherlands v Argentina, then Morocco, Portugal, and England, France on Sunday morning. Now, let's dig a bit deeper, folks, into this David Warner issue and go back a few steps. So what's happened and how did we get to this state? And you can have your say on this anytime. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line number or 0457-736-736 is the text line. So Cricket Australia changed its code of conduct last month rightfully, to allow matters like these to at least be heard. So previously, any sanction that had been accepted could not be challenged by a player. That was the old code of conduct. It was outdated and it needed changing. They dragged their feet, but they finally changed the code of conduct, a lengthy legal process that got them to this position. The position is that there's now a three-person independent panel of commissioners that's created to hear an application. In this case, the application from David Warner. Now, importantly to remember, it cannot overturn what you've been charged with. The hearing of an application, this is from Cricket Australia, is not an appeal or a review of the original sanction imposed. They can't do that. That's not their job. It's an independent panel of commissioners to review and therefore determine whether or not a long-term penalty can be modified. In this case, it's a lifetime leadership ban. So Cricket Australia said when all this happened, the review panel must be satisfied that exceptional circumstances exist to justify modifying a sanction. So basically they need to determine whether the subject of the sanction, this case Warner, has demonstrated genuine remorse whether conduct and behaviour since the imposition of the sanction can be taken into account. What's he done since? Whether rehabilitation programs are being completed, if they're applicable. And also the length of time that has passed since this sanction was imposed, 
and whether sufficient time's passed to allow for that reform or rehabilitation. They're the parameters of what this three-person independent committee was set up to look at. If you've been banned for a lifetime from a leadership role from cricket, you can now apply to Cricket Australia. They can consider this application in front of that committee and that is what they are going to look at. Remorse, conduct and behaviour, rehabilitation, length of time. Now, all that happened last month on November 21. Like I said, they dragged their feet in getting there, but they got there. Then what happened? Well, last Tuesday, the panel decided that the hearing would be conducted in public, in the public arena. Last Thursday, David Warner then submitted a request through his lawyers to have that decision reviewed, to say to them, I do not want this hearing played out in public because that was not my understanding. That request had the support of Cricket Australia. They didn't want the hearing to be held in public either. They've said this morning, we supported David's wish for these discussions to be heard behind closed doors. Yesterday, Warner's request about that situation was dismissed by the panel. And as a result, he withdrew his application and subsequently he let fly. So here's some of the stuff that he said on Instagram. Despite my opposition and that of Cricket Australia, on Tuesday last week, Council assisting the review panel and the panel took it upon themselves to concoct an irregular procedure for the, for the determination of my application and establish a novel approach that would negatively impact the health and welfare of my family and the interests of the Australian cricket team. In effect, it appears they want to conduct a public trial of me and what occurred during the third test. They want to conduct a public spectacle to, in the panel's words, he says, have a cleansing. Think about that for a sec. I'm not prepared, says David Warner, for my family to be the washing machine for cricket's dirty laundry. My family is more important to me than cricket. Since that test, and even though my ban from leadership roles may never be lifted, I've taken it upon myself to reform, rehabilitate and to transform my approach to the game. He says I've been served and have been subject to a crushing, unprecedented penalty that has horribly impacted me and my family for the past nearly five years. Council assisting the review panel appears determined, or appeared determined, to revisit the events of March 2018, and they're determined to expose me and my family to further humiliation and harm by conducting a media circus. He then points out that his application, his request, in that regard was dismissed. They have given no more than passing consideration to issues of player welfare and the interests of Australian cricket and is instead determined to conduct a public lynching. Like I said, some strong words. Now, Warner's direct aim here is the council assisting the review panel, whose position has since been terminated, and the review panel itself. Why? because the panel was solely meant to be reviewing and considering a modification to the penalty, in this case a lifetime ban, not going over what happened. Cricket Australia, the hearing of an application is not an appeal or a review of the original sanction imposed. It's been done. It's been investigated. It's been accepted. David Warner's problem here is with the process, and he's bang on. What a legal mess. And while Cricket Australia supported Warner in his bid to have a closed hearing, surely they've got to take some of the blame for allowing this process to get this complicated in the first place. 
So some questions. Why did Cricket Australia take so long to act in considering any change to the code of conduct? Why did they drag their feet so long? Why was the door left open for a public hearing if Cricket Australia didn't want one either? If you're going to set up a committee, surely you put the parameters in place where if you don't want a public hearing, make it well known that that's exactly what cannot happen. So why did they leave the door open? Has David Warner ticked the boxes of remorse, conduct and rehabilitation or not? Why hit the nuclear button now on the eve of the second test? Why go ballistic? And very importantly here, what does this mean for further cases? What happens next time that somebody wants to apply to Cricket Australia and say, I would like a long-term ban to be considered by this review panel, knowing that this is what you're going to get? Two former greats of the game on SEN this morning had two very different takes. Let's start with Heels, Ian Healy. The independent panel have decided, no, this needs to be public. The whole trial needs to be public. And it seemed to be a trial of Warner's crime again. That's done. The trial was supposed to be about the punishment he received for that. Yeah. And they wanted to go through everything all again in public. Come on. But he's had this decision for about a week. He's prepared this 800-word document quite well, very well, actually. I would like to see a similar-style response by the independent panel. I don't think we're going to. I think they're running at a million miles from this one. I'm probably glad that it's all over. So that's Heels' take on it. Here's Simon O'Donnell, what he thinks about Davey Warner's comments. David Warner copped his right whack for what he did. The bit that you know, I, I still wonder where he's at with it. He said one of his statements was for cricket to air its dirty laundry. It's not cricket's dirty laundry. It's David Warner's dirty laundry. The situation was caused by David Warner and his co-conspirators, not cricket. This isn't about cricket. This is about David Warner. And that's the bit I don't like. I don't like him saying this is cricket's problem. No, it's David Warner's problem. He was playing the game of cricket. The individual isn't bigger than the game of cricket. And David Warner, his dirty laundry, it's not cricket's dirty laundry. Would you have been comfortable if at the end of whatever hearing this undertook and whatever manner in which it was undertaken, that he would have his lifetime leadership ban overturned? No problem. Yep. No problem. And I agree that I don't think it should be aired in public. What you can't walk away from is the responsibility that we got to this situation in the first place, not because of cricket. Now, I half agree with Scoob on that one. I half agree on that, and I'll explain that in just a second. But he talks about, you know, this isn't about cricket's dirty laundry. This is about David Warner. You're right on that, Scoob. You're absolutely right. But you know what this is about? This is about the process. That's what this issue is about. This is not about 2018. It's about the process that's currently underway that he was applying for. So we could debate. You can question, you can jump up and down all you like about what happened in 2018. You can jump up and down all you like about the penalty, the ban. Was it fair or unfair? You can jump up and down about whether or not you like David Warner. You can jump up and down about who knew what. This issue, yes, it's a result of all of that, of the actions of what happened then. But this aspect is not about that. The review panel is not there to determine guilt or perform a cleansing. For God's sake, who let them roll out that term? A cleansing. 
The review panel is there to consider remorse, con conduct and rehabilitation and determine, therefore, if circumstances exist to modify the sanction. They were the parameters. The rules of engagement, folks, have been changed. He wasn't in the right in what happened in 2018. We know that. But in my opinion, David Warner has every right to walk away from this mess and slam the door on the way out. Have your say, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy, or text 0457 736 736. As you can imagine, the texts are coming through. Happy to debate this one with you in any way, shape or form. Dimmy says, just to qualify, I think the leadership bans should stand, but for mine, the 12-month playing ban was way too harsh. Thank you, Dimmy. Um, see, this is part of the issue. It's not about going back all the way to um, the sanctions that are imposed. It's about what they do next on that one. Uh, our texter with no name ending in 481 says, leave the guy alone, you're sensationalizing, uh, sensationalizing it now. Leave the guy alone, you're sensationalizing it now. Uh, 481, I hope you kept listening after you sent that one because sensationalism is a really easy word to use. You know what's a little bit harder? Going through the facts, understanding exactly what's happening, making sense of it all. And leave the guy alone, clearly you fired off a little bit too early. I'm 100% behind David Warner in this instance. They've bumbled and fumbled their way through another dubious process. And this is the result. And sensationalising it? Well, let me just point out a couple of the words that were used by a current Australian cricketer in the situation that has unfolded. I didn't say these words... These are the words that have been used about public lynchings and cleansing. I mean, this is pretty full-on stuff. So what we're here to do is try and make sense of it all. This crushing, unprecedented penalty, unhel uh, unhelpful and offensive comments. It takes a little bit more time to dig through the facts of exactly what's happening, a little bit more effort and a little bit more thought than to just send a text saying, leave the guy alone, who I've just 100% supported, and put it in terms of sensationalism. If you don't like the way that we go through the facts of the case, don't listen. Pedro the Rooster is on the line. Good morning to you, Pedro. Hey, Maddie, how are you going? Mate, Great, this, thanks. This David, Warner, uh, this David Warner farce, again, shows how incompetent Cricket Australia are. And I can't help but go back to you know, uh, Kerry Packard's days where he exposed them for the archaic um, organisation that they were. And they, they just think they're above things and they just can't get it right. <laughs> it, it's, how long ago was that? That's 50 odd, odd years. They can't get it right. Maybe they need to do a clean sweep of the uh, joint, get some new blood in there. I don't know. Well, I think part of the reason, and Malcolm Connor has put it well in his article this morning, I mean, the, the leadership is now almost by proxy. They just keep handing it off and handing it off. And we spoke about how Nick Hockley, the CEO, had this uh, interview with Jared Waitley at the start of the first test. And I, to be brutally honest, it was just waffle. It, it was waffle about where the game wants to be and what the game wants to be and all that kind of stuff. I mean, the decision here was pretty simple. If you set up a review panel... And you have to change the code of conduct to do so. You're going through a fair amount of process to get to the point where the process is now put out
and the parameters have changed and it appears the rules of engagement in David Warner's eyes have changed, then it shows that you're not doing the due process in the first place. So they're just bumbling and fumbling their way from one decision to another. I mean, Cricket Australia, Pedro, you've got to remember back David Warner in this one. They said to him, no, 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 we, we don't want... We agree with David Warner that this should be a closed hearing, not a public hearing. But it also also shouldn't be going over what happened in 2018. That's not what the review panel's there for. So I just can't understand how on earth Cricket Australia let themselves get to a point where they took so long to have to change their code of conduct and left the, then left the door open for a public hearing. And what we have, I mean, this, this issue is now pretty much done and dusted, right? David Warner's not going to be in any leadership role in Australian cricket. That one's done and dusted. So we can put a bow around that one. But what does it do for the game? And what does it do for the next person involved in the game? Player, support staff, everybody who faces a lengthy ban and then goes, well, hang on a second, why would I go through that process? It doesn't seem as transparent as what we thought. Thanks, Pedro. I appreciate the call. Corey Allen, Rugby League, has been released from the final year of his contract with the Bulldogs effective immediately. So the Bulldogs have put out a statement just then saying, we thank Corey for his two years of service to the Bulldogs and wish him all the best for the future. So we'll follow that one throughout the morning. But Corey Allen has been released from his final year effective immediately. 0457 736 736 is the text line at 1300 01 1170 on the open line. Thank you, Vanessa, on the text line. Uh, our man 481 says, yes, I fired off too quickly. No problems, all good in the hood. You just got to know we don't play those games. This is not about sensationalising everything or anything in particular. It's about trying to work our way through and make sense of sport, which at the end of the day is a game. And the game gets back on today, this afternoon, at the Adelaide Oval. It's a bit of a pity that all this is blown up, but, hey, that's the world of cricket at the moment and kind of uh, thrives on drama at the moment as well. Simon Kadic will be there, of course, for the entire test. Um, let's see how long this one goes for SEN as well. Cat's on the line. Good morning, mate. Good morning, Matt. Uh, another day, another drama in the world of cricket. What did you think when you when you woke up or you saw it a little bit late last night about Davy Warner's comments? Yeah, obviously, like most people, I got a huge shock. Um, I mean, I, I didn't realise uh, that was when the appeal was happening and well, the potential meeting for the appeal was happening. And uh, yeah, and then to get bits and pieces um, about it all last night at dinner when I arrived into Adelaide. Um, yeah, it came as a huge shock. So I'm still probably trying to digest it all and, and figure out what's happened. But I guess we'll obviously start to hear both sides of the story in the, the uh, coming days. Yeah, and look, we're, we're going to debate the pros and cons of this, obviously, with my listeners. And I don't want to drag you into that debate because most of those have been debated. But what I will ask you, mate, is when you have a current player who puts out something as explosive as this, it's going to be the talk of the dressing room, isn't it? So can you take me inside of the inner sanctum because I can't think of something as big as this blowing up from a current day player. Does does it change anything the way that they all get together this morning? I mean, will there be a different dynamic? Oh, I would have thought that, given um, you know, given what it's involved, you know, trying to drag back up what happened in Cape Town back in 2017, and the fact that a lot of that group were involved in that Test match. There's obviously a few new faces in this Test squad, but the majority of players were involved um, there when it all went down. So. 
I dare say there'll be a lot of the players getting around uh, Davey to, to sort of offer support and, and to probably feel for him, given that, you know, this is probably what's brought it about, judging by the, you know, the statement that's been made. You know, he didn't want to put he or his family um, or the rest of the Australian team back through this sort of whole, um, you know, investiga- not investigation, it's probably the wrong word, but, yeah, just this whole process. So, um, yeah, given there's a test match starting today, it's, it's the last thing on their minds. But, um, yeah, it's going to be hard for them to, to you know, not be distracted by this, given that um, there's so much interest in what went down yesterday. In your experience, is it better off just, you know, Andrew McDonald just addressing the group, let's get on with it, let's deal with it right now and move on? Is that the best way, do you reckon, to do it? Yeah, I think you have to. Otherwise, there's the elephant in the room and potentially conversations going on, which distracts them all from the job at hand today. I mean, they've got a another important test. I mean, every test now with this World Test Championship cycle is important because... Um, obviously Australia want to qualify and they've got a big series coming up against South Africa who's sitting second at the moment so they won't want to be knocked off that top perch um, with a slip up here against the West Indies in Adelaide who I thought showed a lot of fight in Perth and um, deserve a fair bit of credit they they were undermanned with the ball there's no doubt they just didn't have the firepower to match the Australian batting lineup in Perth but what they did do was fight very hard with the bat and their skipper deserves a lot of credit for that for the way he went about it in that uh, both innings a hundred percent. Their resilience, I think, um, certainly garnered a lot of support, I reckon, and earned them a lot of fans um, that perhaps they didn't have coming into this series with, with not a lot known about this West Indian team. So it's going to be exciting to see what they front up with this time around under lights with the swimming, swinging pink ball. We thought the biggest story coming in, Cap, was going to be Paddy Cummins slash Scott Boland, perhaps Lance Morris, maybe Michael Nisa. All that's been <laughs> overshadowed. But, gee, it's good to see Scotty Boland back in the baggy green. Yeah, he thoroughly deserves it. Obviously, uh, Pat Cummins didn't look great the other day in that second innings in Perth when he was out in the field. He looked pretty ginger. So it hasn't really come as a shock to see him miss out in his test. He's too valuable a member of his team, not only with you know being number one in the world with his bowling, and he was brilliant in Perth, but also his leadership. So I think there's no way Australia could have risked him with what's coming up. It's not just these tests this summer, but also the, the big series in India, four tests and, and you know five Ashes tests on the back of potentially a World Test Championship final in, in June in England. So, yeah, Boland deserves his chance. Uh, he grabbed it last year, was outstanding. I think these conditions here in Adelaide should suit his bowling because he attacks the stumps, he bowls a fuller length. And we know that there's times in this uh, test match where the pink ball does move around So and he hits the seam. So if there's anything I'll offer, whether it's today or later in this test, I'm sure that, uh, you know, he'll, he'll try and present that seam and find it. So... Thoroughly deserves his chance. Great to see young Lance Morris uh, into the squad as well. I think he's had a magnificent season for WA. He's a special talent and his time will come. And Nisa deserves to be recognised as well. He's been excellent for Queensland over a number of years So uh, and played here in the test last year in the uh, Ashes test. So. I saw some vision uh, late yesterday of Lance Morris in the nets, and I think it was Cameron Green copped a couple that, that whizzed past him. And I, it was Barat who was filming, as he always does. He was behind the nets there. And I think Cam Green in the end said, yeah, yeah mate, I've had enough. <laughs> did you ever get to a How many times in your career did you get to a stage in the nets where somebody with a thunderbolt like that was coming at you and you went, nah, it's, it's, it's not worth it. I'm going to move on. Well, thankfully, I was good mates with Brett Lee, so he used to look yeah. after me. Uh, but then in the latter part of my career, when I was a bit older and the reflexes slowed, 
uh, guys like Mitchell Johnson and Pete Siddle and these guys would bowl probably, you know, back foot on the front line. So they were well over with a new ball. And uh, that was when it started to get challenging. So um, there was a little bit more protective equipment worn in the nets, just purely for self-preservation rather than uh, any worry about um, yeah, injury. So how do you think it unfolds today? Uh, whoever wins the toss, what do you do knowing the lights are going to switch on later on? Yeah, look, I haven't seen the, the wicket just yet, but I think, I mean, generally teams here will bat first. Uh, it is a good, a brilliant test wicket here. There's something in it for everyone. Obviously, Nathan Lyons bowled well here in the past, and he's, uh, he's zoning in on, on Shane, Shane Warne's record here at this Oval. So I think, uh, yeah, whoever wins will bat. I think both teams wanted to do that in person, and obviously Australia got the got the rub of the green there but um it is cloudy at the moment so you know it's probably a cooler day today and then i think it warms up a bit tomorrow and, and potentially saturday saturday's over 30 so um yeah i think uh it might be the not the worst toss to lose if it is cloudy and overcast throughout the day but yeah generally you want to get runs on the board here Good on you, Kat. Thank you, mate. Enjoy the test today. We'll be tuning in uh, on our SEN test cricket commentary and, of course, catch you on Channel 7 as well. Have a good one. My pleasure. Former Australian player Simon Kadich joining us there with some interesting thoughts around that. Yeah, so Scotty Bolam comes in his fourth test, as we know, that incredible debut. His average is 9.55, and I, I saw something in the paper this morning that even if he has an incredible day out, right, if he gets five for 50 his current average would end up being worse than what it is if he goes out and gets a fifer his average which is the lowest in history at the moment from any player with more than 15 wickets 9.55 it's awesome to have him back in the squad and he will be a real showpiece and i gotta say after all of the stuff that we're talking about this morning and i'm happy to keep talking about it i know some of you aren't but it's the biggest story in australian cricket it'll be great when they get out there this afternoon. The pink ball is in the hands perhaps of Mitchell Stark or perhaps Davey Warner and Usman Khawaja go out first. I mean, there's interest galore. There's something very, very special about the day-night test, the Adelaide Oval itself and the pink ball aspect to it and the resilience of the West Indies. Let's see what type of fight they can put up this time around. 0457 736 736. James says, Tommy, get Matt some chill pills. He's arcing up big time. Thank you, James. Uh, Tommy will look after me. No problems. We can have some fun along the way. No dramas. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Back after this. We'll be diving into the Big Bash League in our next hour. Alastair Dobson is the general manager of BBL. So season 12 kicks off next Tuesday. Thunder v Melbourne Stars and I'll also catch up with Thunder Bowler Nathan McAndrew going from Sheffield Shield duties with South Australia into BBL duties with the Sydney Thunder. So from red ball and one kit to white ball and another kit. So we'll have that chat. Simon Hill will also join me as well in the program and plenty of time for your thoughts. 0457 736 736. Matt from Hunters Hill points out, where is the Players Association in all of this? Uh, The Australian Cricketers Association. Well, we haven't heard too much. A lot of people are willing to point um, the finger at the Players Association. I don't know what the what the statement is in all that. Might do a little bit of digging on that, Matt, but it's a very good question around what kind of support or what kind of say that they're having in all of this. It continues. It's day one of the test, folks. We'll focus on that very soon. It is Thursday morning, the start of the second test at the Adelaide Oval, Australia v. the West Indies, the day-nighter. Scotty Boland comes in. 
to replace Pat Cummins, which means Steve Smith will be the skipper. But obviously, the bombshell that dropped late last night on David Warner's social media platform continues to be the main talking point. Welcome to our listeners on SENQ 693 in Brisbane, 16.20am on the Gold Coast. Thanks for joining us. You can dive into this conversation any which way you choose. And I've got to tell you, it's been a little bit heated this morning. It's been a little bit full on. We've been accused of sensationalism, of being too emotive, of going over the top with the tone. Uh, My position on this is that David Warner has every right, in my opinion, to pull out of this process, this particular process of the review panel, the three-person review panel that was meant to be there determining if circumstances existed to modify his sanction, not to determine guilt or perform a cleansing. And whoever, whoever thought that that was a good word to use in that scenario, if that's the right word that was used and that was coming from David Warner, wow, they might want to rethink that. Was there to consider remorse, conduct and rehabilitation, but it's all gone pear-shaped very quickly, which unfortunately seems to be the way of Cricket Australia. Now, they wanted this hearing to remain behind closed doors and they didn't get that uh, request. They didn't officially put that at request in. Davey Warner did, and that was knocked back. And that's led us to the situation now where Warner's pulled out of any application to have a leadership role in the future in Australian cricket, and he gets on with the job of playing cricket. It appears to me as though David Warner's got to this stage emotionally and obviously with his age and where he's at in Australian cricket, of enough is enough. And I've said this morning that we can debate what happened in 2018. We can debate whether the penalty, the ban, was fair or unfair. You can debate whether or not you like David Warner. Some people have a crack at him for buying too many houses. I mean, really? You can debate whether we're ever going to find out who knew what. And this is a result of the actions of what happened at Newlands in 2018. But this aspect of what's going on right now is not about that. The rules of engagement appear to have been changed along the way. And it's led us to this situation where on the eve of the second test, where all the focus should be on what's going to happen at the Adelaide Oval, we get drama galore. Now, sometimes any publicity is good publicity, but... Some pretty big questions now remain. Why did Cricket Australia allow it to get to this stage? Why did they leave the door open for a public hearing if they didn't want one either? And what happens next time that somebody puts their hands up and asks for an application to go in front of this committee? Has David Warner ticked all those boxes of remorse and rehabilitation and conduct? And has enough time passed? And where are we at? But at the end of it all, I think we are looking at a player and a person and he's been at pains to point out he's a very strong we know this family man obviously you and I would protect do everything to protect your family in this situation whether we put ourselves in it or not and he put himself in it but I just get the opinion now that this wasn't just a lock and load fire off to take a swipe this was okay enough's enough enough's enough it's not going the way that the process should take it in his opinion and in my opinion So let's just call it quits. Let's call the whole thing off. Don't know what that means further down the track. But 0457 736 736 is the number if you'd like to have your say on that. Meanwhile, Scotty Boland prepares to come back into the Australian Test team. Uh, For our listeners joining us in Queensland, I had a chat with Simon Kadich and we spoke about how you address this David Warner situation. Well, 
a lot of those guys were there in 2018 and they would have been waking up to this news as well. And obviously seeing everything that's gone on and Kat was of the opinion, yes, get in the dressing room. Andrew McDonald stands in front. Let's deal with this right now. Talk about it. Let's get on and go on, go on and play uh, this test against the West Indies. Let's go straight to the open line. Andrew from Newcastle is on the line. Good morning, Andrew. Thanks for holding on. No worries, Matt. I 100% agree with you. And I've, I've never been a big David Warner fan, but I agree 100% with him. Like, I don't understand all these self-righteous people that get on and say, you know, he should have never played for Australia before. again, can't be captain again. All he did was, like, he, he, he crossed the line, but he was just trying to do the best for his team to win. And, like, I've been involved in sport for a long time, and my motto is always, if you're not cheating, you're not trying hard enough. Like, you, you know, you got to... You look at all the other examples in every sport where every athlete pushes it to the limit. Look at rugby league, Cameron Smith, and... Um, you know, they've got, and, and all the ball tampering over the years. Sure, it was the wrong thing to do, but it's five years, nearly five years ago, or four years ago. He's been, he's done his time. Just, I don't, like, it's not, he didn't kill anyone. Like, you know, I thought the Aussies would get behind someone. Like, you know, we come from a land of convicts, you know. What was what, what everyone all of a sudden jumping up and down and thinking they're all mightier than Lord Jesus Christ themselves. We've all made mistakes, so let's just move on and watch him Watch him have a good bat, and uh, he could be captain if I was in charge. Well, it's interesting, you know, the move on part is that the person who's now made, pulled the trigger essentially to have it move on is David Warner himself. Isn't that fascinating? That all these years later, off the ban, all that kind of stuff, and then we get to well, the start of this year, where this code of conduct took nine months to change and then we go through this independent committee, which we thought the review panel was going to be the one who made the decision. At the end of all of that, all that time and all that water goes under the bridge, the bloke who's pulled the trigger to say, let's move on, is David Warner himself. And perhaps that's the way that it was meant to play out anyway. Good on you, Andrew. Thank you for that. Matty, I can hear your exasperation with this Warner situation. I really think it's the woke brigade that are driving this situation. Uh, maybe from both sides, says Danny from Botany. Nobody has the gumption to make a firm, hard, strong stand. It's the times we live in. Well, perhaps, perhaps, Paul from Warwick Farm, for someone that's so defensive about sensationalising this story, that's all you're talking about, <laughs> getting sick of it. Well, perhaps it's the end. Perhaps it's the end. We can talk about the test, and we will do so in just a second. We're going to hear from Scotty Boland on his return. We'll also be hearing from Nathan McAndrew, as the Sydney Thunder get ready to kick off the BBL season at Monica Oval against the Melbourne Stars. And the boss of the BBL, the general manager, Alastair Dobson, is on the line. Good morning, Alastair. Welcome to the program. G'day, Matt. Great to chat again. BBL 12 season kicks off. And, boy, you don't have to look too far to get a bit of news going around. I mean, obviously, David Warner's the headline act. Can you, can you squeeze in something for BBL amongst, amongst all of this news that's been generated out of the test arena? Yeah, so there's a fair bit going on, isn't there? But we're really excited about the, the BBL season next Tuesday night, as you say, a, a first game of, a, of the season. It's probably the longest pre-season in Australian sport, I reckon, the BBL. So uh, we, we're looking forward to it, and we, we're absolutely looking forward to Dave Warner playing for the Thunder later in the season. In all seriousness, you would have had to have kept your eye on the situation with Dave Warner, and obviously the Thunder did as well with their leadership position. So how much attention did you pay from that from, from your head office? Oh look! Obviously, it's 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 relevant uh, to the BBL, albeit 
uh, you know, we're really excited to have him play. I'm not, I'm not across the finer points of, of any of the current situation or scenarios other than knowing that the Thunder are really excited to, to have him on their list and, and playing games later in the season. So that's that's absolutely our focus. And, and I know he's excited to, to get back into the BBL after a number of years of not playing and looking forward to playing in front of his his fans and family in, in Sydney. So that's our, that's certainly our focus. Where are you at with Steve Smith? Obviously, the Sydney Sixers and, and yourself would love to have Steve Smith in the BBL, but the Sixers have now closed out their roster. So it means if Steve Smith's going to get a game, it'll be at the back end after James Mintz uh, leaves, leaves the tournament. He's only playing the first half of the tournament. So where are those negotiations at? And how do you go about that? Yeah, I'm probably not going to get into the specifics of player contracting, you know, on an individual base other than to say, obviously, Steve's an iconic BBL player with a great history with the Sixers and we'd love to have him play in the competition this year. As as you said, he's he's avail- not available uh, until the back end of the competition after the end of the, the Test Series. So that's we'd love to see him play. Um, obviously, there's discussions going on all the time around all our Australian players and, and giving them every opportunity to play. So that's ongoing. 61 matches for BBL Season 12, and as, as I mentioned, kicks off next Tuesday. We have a lot of discussion around this program and others on this network about the amount of cricket at the moment. You can't help where the T20 World Cup fell, and then we had the one day as now into the tests. Where do you think BBL sits in the middle of all of this scheduling that's, that's pretty jam-packed? And, and do you have too much? Are you, are you confident that you'll have the support? Yeah, I think after a couple of years of... Uh, of, of challenges, obviously, from a from a perspective of getting the competition played, and particularly having fans in the crowd in 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 the stands. I think everyone's really excited about the prospect of crowds back at, at the BBL. I know our players are, and I know all our all the fans of the competition competition are. It's certainly a a jam packed cricket schedule each summer now, and I think the BBL has certainly found its its nice you know niche place in in that school holiday window, which which I think is really the backdrop of summer now for Australia with the, with the BBL. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a busy schedule. We, we have to work around test matches and, and other international cricket, but we think this year's schedule in particular is probably the best we've had, you know, in a number of years, given uh, we've got full availability of, of the white ball players now and, and obviously some good availability of the Australian test team at the back end of, of the season. So um, all things being equal, it's, a really, it's, it's shaping up for us really well. Did your heart drop when you heard that Glennie Maxwell had broken his leg on a tennis court? <laughs> I mean, we shouldn't laugh. Yeah, what... we sh- we shouldn't laugh. I know, but I think I think so many Aussies went, "Oh no, really?" Yeah, it wasn't the phone call we were hoping. That's for sure. No. But you know, our thoughts go out to him. I know it's been you know it's it's a really unfortunate um, accident, I guess. And and you know, the stars have really wrapped their arms around him, and um, he's going to be still involved with the team. And and that said, they've got great depth at that at that club with with other big names and lots of lots of local heroes as well. So, yeah, it's a real shame. I know he's a, he's such a passionate uh, and iconic BBL player that he'll still be involved. I'm sure we'll see him at all the Stars games and, and probably on TV as well. So, um, you know, it's a shame, but, um, you know, the season, the season goes on. Perth Scorchers, the reigning BBL champions, of course. Like I say, it's, it's a long one. Just give me a final heads up on what fans can expect here. We, we know the type of cricket that we get from BBL. We know the type of excitement that it delivers to our lounge rooms. What about this season in terms of what the spectators and fans can look forward to? Some added punch for their, for their purchase ticket. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately it's it's getting back to what everyone loves about the BBL, which is summer nights and big crowds and, and really exciting cricket. I think our clubs are working really hard on on putting the big show back on that perhaps they haven't been able to do for the past couple of years. There's some really exciting events, lots of 
live music happening at games around the country, really family-friendly start times. And I think, notwithstanding a couple of recent injuries, I think the lists of our clubs are as strong as they've ever been with, with great overseas players coming in, lots of Australian heroes playing. So, you know, I think all in all, um, there's, there's lots for, for fans to be excited about playing at 14 different venues around the country. So there's plenty of opportunity for for people in every every nook and cranny of Australia to, to get a look at the BBL live. And I think, um, you know, put all that together, um, we think we're set for probably our best season ever. Yeah, you've got a lot on your plate. It's a busy time. It's a big season ahead. Appreciate your time this morning. Best of luck with the season ahead. Thanks, Matt. It all starts Tuesday, uh, December 13th. So Sydney Thunder v the Melbourne Stars at Monica Oval. Alistair Dobson is the BBL general manager. So, uh, yeah, got his hands full there in the schedule for a start and trying to make sure that um, this this ride continues and perhaps it's the kind of impetus that cricket fans want. Let's get back into the bash and dash of BBL. 0457 736 736. Rooster Man says, Matty, one question. How would PVL handle this if he was in charge of Cricket Australia? Well, we've, we've posed that one before, Rooster Man, and I've, I've put it out there before. I, I've got respect and the utmost respect for Nick Hockley in charge of Cricket Australia as the CEO. He's passionate about the game. He's got runs on the board, and we've spoken to him on this program. Do they? Do I think that they're handling things well over the last 12 to 24 months? No. Not as well as they should do. And the holes are starting to appear. How somebody else would handle this situation, I'm not sure. I mean, we, we know how Peter Volandis runs Racing New South Wales and... Um, the game of rugby league and we know the kind of results we're getting there are there holes in that sure sure absolutely Uh, 90% of people couldn't give a rats about the Warner fiasco says PG why all the media is giving it so much airtime is one of the reasons the Aussie public have turned off the cricket side personally I like Warner but the fact remains he cheated while wearing the Aussie colours and that just doesn't sit well fair enough points PG fair enough 90% 90% of people who are texting this program right now are only texting about David Warner. Mate, I'd love to jump on this morning. We talk about something completely different. Why is the media giving it so much airtime? Because David Warner used his social media platform as a current player to absolutely go ballistic nuclear on this situation that's unfolded. I mean, that's why it's a news story. It's a very big one, too. The debate might seem a little bit long in the tooth, and I understand that. We want to put a halt to it, no worries. Uh, and I do find it interesting because I always look for what's next. Okay, what's next? Not what's next in this sensationalistic story, yada, 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 but what's next here? What happens next time around? I mean, if the David Warner situation's done and dusted, then it's done and dusted. No leadership positions over and done with. And he was unlikely to be in one of those positions at the Australian cricket team anyway, given his age and where he's at in the game. However, if he did get the opportunity, he would have taken it and he would have been in that position. But we now know that that's done. And he was the one essentially that pulled the pin on all of that. So what happens next time around? The Cricket Australia doesn't get itself into this position. And hopefully we don't get players putting Cricket Australia in that position. It's a pretty vicious circle, isn't it? Let's have a quick listen to Steve, uh, Scotty Boland coming into this test team. Of course, he was an absolute cult hero on debut with the figures of six for seven at the MCG. Took 18 wickets in that series. And here he is again coming in to replace Pat Cummins. 
sort of half expected it. Um, had a good, had a really good chat to Pat last night at training, and he sort of outlined what his plans were and um, where his expectations were. But uh, it was nice to know from him that yeah, if he was out, I was going to be in. When you're in such a good environment like this, and you get to bowl with guys in the nets like Pat Cummins and Josh Hazelwood, I think you're always going to improve. And even bowl, yeah, bowling to some of the best batters in the world, I think it's yeah, it's helped my game. And um, yeah, hopefully next week I can um, bowl well again. Good on him. Good on him. In he comes. He gets another chance. The crowd will be behind him. It's going to be one of the other talking points as to uh, how it unfolds this afternoon. What type of crowd do they get there at the Adelaide Oval? Um, I've been lucky enough to be part of a day-night test down there. It was, I'm telling you, it was serious bucket list stuff. We only got to call the one day. Do you remember the India series? We were calling it right here on SEN Test Cricket. I was with Brad Haddon and Gav Robertson. And we went across to the Adelaide Oval and Jared Waitley and Adam Collins, the entire team, we had two separate calls going on. And I thought, how good's this? Been to Adelaide a million times, seen everything, called supercars, done the lot down there, but never been to a test match at the Adelaide Oval. I walked across. I was seriously dumbstruck. We called the first uh, day of play and first night of play. And I thought, this is cool. And then the whole COVID thing broke out again. And within... 12 hours, Robbo and myself, and there was Had sitting at the airport going, well, he looked at us. He had a bag of twisties, and he said, what the hell are we doing here? I said, we're going home, mate. <laughs> we are going home. We managed to get ourselves back home, and we called the rest of the, that test match from the TV screens. But that one fleeting moment, that one fleeting day slash night of a pink ball test at the Adelaide Oval with a big, big crowd, the sun setting, it was magical. Absolutely magical. And I hope that all those players out there experience that. They will tonight, and I'll be watching it and listening to it right here on SEN. 22 minutes after 10 for New South Wales listeners, 22 after 9 for our Queensland listeners. Back after this. Thank you, Vanessa. All right, let's do this. Let's at least for the next, what, 10 minutes, David Warner free zone. Are we up for that? Now, we normally have what's kooky at the Cup, so we could go World Cup style, but Mark, no matches. So we've got to wait till the quarterfinals. You got anything to add to Kuki at the Cup to get us away from the David Warner debate? Well, that, it's, it's ironic, actually, because David Warner's had a lot to say on Cristiano Ronaldo. No, he's oh. not. Um, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, no, it's been very quiet. I mean, I can't, no, I can't turned up at the Brazilian press oh. conference, but, I mean, it's we, bad luck. we've done sports against sport, uh, animals and sports but a couple of weeks ago, so I'll just, I'll just move on from that one. Okay, so the best you've got is a cat? Yep, that's it. A cat in the Brazilian press conference. Hopefully okay. it's good luck for them. All right. Uh, Kano from WA says, is there any West Tigers news? Ha ha. Um, good. <laughs> fired up that. Was that When was that? The other day, uh, last week. Um, Tommy, any West Tigers news? No? Uh, Isaiah Papali'i reported to Tigers training earlier this, earlier this week. Remember, because right. there was a lot of fans who were uh, scared that he wasn't going to turn up because he was... Was very weird with his comments last or earlier this year about will he or won't he honour his contract? But no, he mm. showed up. hasn't hasn't done any training yet, but he showed up in the kit and he's ready to go. Okay, so that covers that one off. So, uh, was there any sign of a cat at training or a press conference? Uh, I don't know. But what I do no. have, Maddie, is we didn't get. We're not going to mention David Warner, but we are going to mention the Sydney Roosters and just briefly, just oh. briefly, because the news that we you mentioned it lightly yesterday. Just, just hang on one second. Okay, okay. listeners, here's your chance. Would you rather Tommy talk about <laughs> David Warner 
or continue on with this? I mean, you think well, we go a little bit hard on the issue of the day? Well, no, the... 0457 736 736. What do we need first? A well, D-Warner band discussion or a, or a Roosters Well, it's not explicitly band. about the Roosters. It just happens to... The Roosters are mentioned in this little thing. So the Sam Walker re-signed with the Sydney Roosters yesterday until the end of 2025. And what kind of stumped me, Matty, is that he's still 20 years of age. He'll turn 21 in 2023. So it got me thinking, the best players 20 years or younger currently playing in the NRL. So I did a top five. I did a top five of players, current players, 20 years or younger in the NRL. Some honourable mentions, some players who just missed the cut, who I think are... Nearly there, nearly there. Tyrell Sloan for the Dragons. Uh, Talatala Moan for the Dragons as well. I thought he finished terrifically for St. George Illawarra and, and had some good games for Tonga. Xavier Savage for the Canberra Raiders. Had a bit of a mixed bag last game for the Raiders in that uh, finals loss against the Eels. Scored a great try, but also let in a few. Uh, you'd like this one. Tolatau Kula, the future of the Manly Seagulls. Blistering speed. And he was very, very good, I thought, especially in defence this year for the Seagulls. And one guy who won a premiership this year was very, very strong in his first full year with the Panthers, and that was Isaac Targo. So they're, they're the honourable mentions. So I'm going to go from five to one. And you can give me some little comments on a player if you like him. or little. So number five, Selwyn Cobbo for the <clears throat> Brisbane Broncos. A guy that is always going to be linked to compared to Latrell Mitchell and Greg Inglis. I thought he took a leap this year, be by debuting for the Queensland Maroons. Kind of uh, like the Broncos, he didn't finish as strong. And I think that that concussion in game three of origin played a big part, but still a lot of hope, a lot of flair. And it's interesting how he's going to fit in with Reese Walsh at the Brisbane Broncos coming to the club for next season, which is going to be really interesting to see. Hey, uh, Rooster Man's got your back. He says, go, Tommy. Another one says, please, anything but Rooster Talk. Okay. Well, I'll keep going with my list. And speaking of Reese Walsh, he is number four on my list of the top five players 20 years or younger. He is yes. 20 years of age. Uh, burst on the seas with the New Zealand Warriors. And I'm so, so excited to see him with a quality forward pack. Payne Haas. Um, Payne Haas. Adam Reynolds there. Katoni Staggs. So much flair Reese Walsh has. He, was, he nearly made his origin debut for the Queensland Maroons in 2021 before he got a hamstring injury. And I can't wait to see how his combination with Adam Reynolds goes this year. Okay, number three yes. is Joseph Swali'i for the Sydney Roosters, who is only 19 years of age. We crazy. all know about him. He's a crazy athlete. It's only a matter of time before. I think, I think he will definitely play for the Wallabies and play rugby union. I think he'll be wearing the green and gold jersey at the 2027 Rugby World Cup. But I also think he'll come back to the NRL. I think he'll have a Sonny Bill Williams-like career. Um, athletic freak, winger, fullback, centre, wherever you want to play him. Uh, Sam Walker is number two at 20 years of age. Again, he's played just under 50 games. I think he gets better with each game, Sam Walker. The Roosters faltered at the start of 2022 by playing him in the sixth jersey and playing Luke Curie at seven. They have, Trent Robinson eventually saw what a lot of fans have seen and said, you know what, Sam, you're a half. You're a halfback, lead the team around, and he just gets better with every single game, especially his defense. Now, Matty, I said, so just to uh, uh, keep you in mind, so number five, Selwyn Cobo, number four, Reese Walsh, number three, Joseph Swali, and number two, Sam Walker. Do you have an idea on who number one could be? No. Hit me up. Break, break out year for this young man. Still only 19 years of age. Made his origin and Australian debut from the North Queensland Cowboys. Jeremiah Nanai. 
an absolute yeah. freak, scored 17 tries this year for the Cowboys, second rower, a guy who has been compared, obviously, with Sonny Bill Williams, David Fafida, uh, a really un- quiet, quiet, but doesn't speak a lot. But the interesting thing is, Matty, he signed a one-year extension with the Cowboys just last year. So he's off contract again. So if he has another massive, massive year with the Cowboys and goes on to continue to play for the Maroons, continues to play on for the Kangaroos, it's going to be tricky how the Cowboys kind of fit him in with Jason Tamalo'o, Luciano Lelua, Chad Townsend, Tom Dearden, Scott Drinkwater. So the Cowboys, they're going to have to juggle their salary cap this year if Jeremiah Nanai bursts out again. But he is my best player in the NRL, 20 years or younger, Jeremiah Nanai from the North Queensland Cowboys. Do you agree with Tommy's top five? Let us know. We need to take a break because Nathan McAndrew is going to join us soon. Back to your texts and calls in just a moment. We need to talk, yes, more cricket, but BBL this time around. As we know, next Tuesday, Monica Oval is where it all begins. Playing for the Sydney Thunder yet again, uh, sharing duties, of course, with his state team in Sheffield Shield, which is the South Australian Redbacks. I'm pleased to say that Nathan McAndrew is on the line. Morning, Nathan. Morning, Matt. Thanks for having me. Now, thanks for your time. Another season ahead. Dig into BBL in just a sec, but congratulations on the win in Sheffield Shield. So it must have been good to get that one and a good performance too from yourself and your fellow bowlers in that one. Yeah, absolutely. It was yeah, a really well-deserved well, uh, win, I think, from, from all the boys, the players and the coaches. It's sort of been a bit of a challenging year. Uh, start to the season in the red ball picture. We've been doing really well in the white ball comp, but... Um, hadn't quite had the results that we wanted in the Red Bull tournament so far. And, yeah, it was just a really, really clinical team performance, to be honest, um, led by Jake Weatherald and Nathan McSweeney in the first innings. And then, yeah, as you said, it was just a really good all-round bowling effort by Brendan Doggett, Wes Agar and myself. It was great to contribute. And it's funny, isn't it? It, it moves South Australia, moves you guys up to mid-table and you were fifth before the match, so you finally get that win. And, and it's just it's amazing how quickly things can turn around with a victory in the Shield. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was yeah, pretty amazing to see how much we jumped up that table um, after that result. So, yeah, it's, it's obviously pretty exciting times. Obviously, Western Australia are sort of being out ahead in front. Um, but there's yeah a lot to play for in that Shield tournament after Christmas. There's you know we've got a couple of a couple of teams that are struggling at the moment, and, and we head up to the Gabba. That's always a, a wicket that's probably conducive to getting a result. So yeah, I mean a, a couple of good wins after Christmas, and you never know you might find yourself in the final. So you got your South Australian Shield kit, I take it, and you've got your Red Ball focus over there, and then all of a sudden you swing back into BBL and you pull out the Sydney Thunder kit. Do you, how do you operate, mate? Do you seriously just have two separate kits for your two separate gigs? Yeah, absolutely. It's two separate kits and, um, yeah, the helmet and the pads are obviously different colour, um, so they just stay in the kit. And then, uh, yeah, when it comes to time, you just got to transfer all the, the bats and gloves and, and spikes over to the other kit. And, uh, yeah, it was a pretty quick turnaround, to be honest. We got back from Tassie, uh, I think it was Sunday night, memory we had some exit meetings um, with the group Monday just to, you know, before everyone goes their separate ways for BBL and then, uh, yeah, flew flew back to Sydney on Tuesday. So, yeah, it, it happens pretty quickly. Um, the schedule's pretty pretty jam-packed these days. So, no, it's uh, good to be back in, in Sydney and, yeah, just can't wait to, to get BBL underway. Yeah, all cricketers these days, I mean, and across the board, are used to red ball one week and white ball perhaps the next but the transition from one state, essentially, to this group of Sydney Thunder, which you're so used to as well, 
is it different coming back into into different scenarios, back into players that you you've been so used to for so long, or do you just pick it up and get get moving again? Um, I think it's pretty easy these days, to be honest. I've been at the Thunder now for a number of years, and we've we've had a pretty consistent group now for a while. Um, we, you know, there's always a couple of guys come and go, but the the core group's all pretty similar, to be fair. So it just feels like, you know, I went into training yesterday for a gym and and saw all the boys, and it was just great to see everyone. So um, yeah, I think we've got a we've got a really good family environment here at the Thunder, and everyone, you know, genuinely gets along. I think you'd probably say that even if you didn't. That's probably the old cliche, but. Um, no, it, it is a really enjoyable group, so it's pretty easy to sort of just assimilate back into. We've been speaking, Nathan, about how much cricket is too much. I mean, for somebody like me, I, you know, I could watch it all day, every day, um, and, and those that play it will do exactly the same. But when you look ahead to the BBL season, there's 61 matches, obviously not for you, but 61 matches across the competition ahead of you. Does it feel like a, a gruelling time ahead, especially for an all-rounder like yourself, somebody who's going to do the heavy lifting on both ends? Um, yeah, look, I was I was scrolling through our schedule the other day and, and trying to find a, a day off where it wasn't a, a training or a travel day or a game day. and There weren't too many uh, mixed in there. So, look, it, it is going to be um, it's going to be a bit of a war of attrition. Um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of travel and, and playing and, and not much turnaround time. So, it's you know that's one of the challenges of BBL. It's just being able to decompress after a game and and be able to move on to the next one because you've often got another game in two days. So uh, it, it is a, it is a challenge, but uh, it's just such an enjoyable time of the year as well. So I'm looking forward to just having to bowl four overs instead of uh, some of these 25 over days that we're doing in, in red ball cricket as well. So just really excited to be honest. Do you have a go-to for how you stop, pause, and refresh? Is there something that you do? Uh, I wouldn't say I've got any set routine. Um, uh, a few of the boys don't don't uh, dislike tipping a, a little glass of red wine in after a game. Um, there's a bit of a wine club going around, which is, I think a really uh, really good way to just you know relax after a game as well. I think you know obviously recover recovery is really important, but at the same time you know it's it's nice to just come together as a group after the game and um, you know just still have that time together regardless whether it's a good win or a bad loss sort of thing. So. Um, you, you just try to leave that, you know, at the ground, and, and when you get back to the hotel, have a have a nice, quiet drink with the boys, and, and then move on. Uh, you wake up the next day, and it, it's all done. Whether it was a great win or, or a bad loss, you just move on to the next one. And what about uh, the squad itself? Uh, obviously, there's a lot of noise made around Davey Warner, and he's going to be part of this squad. Talk to me about having big, big time players like that in your squad, and big impact players as well. Yeah, he's obviously one of the best in the world. So to have him um, back in the Big Bash is just going to be, you know, so exciting for the fans and, and for the entire competition to have someone like Dave Warner back back in the competition. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited that he's uh, on our team and we don't have to fold to him. Um, but, yeah, no, really excited to have him back. And, and as you said, he's, he's just a match winner up the top of the order. So um, I'm pretty sure we've got you know, one of Alex Hales or David Warner for the entire tournament. I think, you know, when Alex uh, goes to another tournament, that's when Davey gets back. So, um, yeah, to have a, an absolute match winner uh, up the top of our order is going to be a, a huge weapon for us. Yeah, and as you've seen, he's angry at the moment. So when he gets to you guys, he might well <laughs> truly unleash on the world, which, like you say, when you're on his side is a good thing. Just finally, what do you have to do to get further than last year? So knocked out by the strikers in the qualifier, what do the Sydney Thunder do this time around in BBL to go the go the whole distance? 
Yeah, it's a good question. Um, look, we've probably had that asked that question of ourselves the last three years in a row. To be fair, we've we sort of made the quarter and the semi-final, sort of always finishing that third or fourth spot, and haven't quite been able to get through to the main dance. But I, I think it's just more of the same of what we've been doing, and, and sort of trusting the processes we've been putting putting in over the years. I think we've got a really exciting um, group of players, and, and a lot of our younger players as well are starting to come of age and, and really perform. We saw that last year, so. I just think it's you know you've got to be in it to win it, so you've got to you've got to get yourself into a good position to to have a run of those finals. But uh, look, I, I think you know the brand of cricket that we were starting to play last year um, under Trevor Bayliss, I think was a, a really exciting brand of cricket, and, and I think we just got to continue to trust that process, and, and uh, I think things will, will change. So I'm really excited. All starts next Tuesday, Monica Oval against the Melbourne Stars. Nathan, best of luck. Thanks for your time this morning. No worries, Matt. Thanks for having me. In our next hour, Simon Hill will join me. So we're in a bit of a holding pattern at the FIFA World Cup, of course, the quarterfinals on the weekend off the back of the uh, group matches, which the FIFA president has called the best ever. But we're still waiting to see, OK, what happens next with Graham Arnold and how does Australian uh, football capitalise on this? We'll pose that to the great S. Hill. Matty and Tommy says, uh, Andrew, I think you can add in Josh Schuster to that list. Uh, this is the top 20, well, the top five of 20 or under. He'll have a massive year, in my opinion. Started at 5'8 for Manly, four times, four, three wins. That one from Andrew from Newcastle. Well, he's 21. So he doesn't qualify into, into Tommy's very, very rigorous routine here of the top five players, 20 years or under. Uh, the Rooster Man says, Tommy for Premier. Smart guy with class. Well, I can't argue with that. Cannot argue with that. Matt, talking about kooky stuff at the World Cup, have you seen that woman who claims to be Croatia's number one fan, rocks up to their matches and, in inverted commas, says the Jawa enthusiastically cheers for Croatia, risking arrest in Qatar by her choice of attire. Uh, I've seen, I haven't seen the actual story behind the story, but, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty easy to catch the photos as you're scanning through the online, um, online newses. Yeah. Uh, but look, it's taken our focus off the D Warner situation. Great news. Scotty Boland back in the test team says, Gary, my opinion should have been played in Pakistan as well at the expense of any one of the quicks. Well, he'll slot in and he'll have Mitchell Stark there. Should be devastating. Josh Hazelwood like the metronome. Nathan Lyon as well. Day one of the test coming up at the Adelaide Oval. Welcome back, our third final hour of this program. And, of course, Jimmy Smith coming up. Don't forget full coverage uh, this afternoon, ball-by-ball coverage, SEN Test Cricket. The entire commentary team reassembles at Adelaide Oval. So it's a 3 o'clock start for uh, the match. That is daylight saving time, Eastern Daylight Saving Time. So adjust your clocks, obviously, 2 o'clock for our Queensland listeners and wherever you're tuning in via the SEN app. Let's go straight to the open line. To start this final hour together, James from Hornsby's on the line. Good morning to you, James. Go for it. All right, Matty. Um, let's not talk about that. I want to talk about Cricket Australia. You know, those bunch of finalist donut-less um, bureaucrats up there. When Sand... I'll go through it for you and prove me wrong. Sandpaper Gate came up. They went straight away. Let's sack them. You know, bang. Not uh, suspend them for one year. Mm. Boom, boom, boom. Real quick. Hang on. Why not go ICC said one match? So, right, they'll serve the ICC. We'll suspend them, but we'll do a full investigation to find out who knew what and what would happen and who did what, and then take their actions after that. But, no, they jumped in and, boom, because of the public outcry. 
Later now they go, oh, maybe we did rush that too much. We didn't think so. They don't know what they're doing. Justin Langer, let's get rid of him. Oh, we do an independent report. Oh, someone else comes in outside. Oh, you've got to change, otherwise you're out. He changes, we're winning. Oh, geez, what can we do now? We've got to get rid of him. We'll know. We'll give him an offer that we know he will refuse. Oh, we don't have to do anything. He walked away. Dave Warner's come back now. Oh, God, we've got him again. What do we do? Um, um, I will call someone else in and they'll make a public hearing. We know he won't want that. And he'll stop it himself. We won't make a decision. They're doing nothing. They're not saying we're in charge of Cricket Australia, the national, the only sport that's nation, nationwide. Oh, but we can't make a decision. Oh, no, we don't know what to do. Get rid of the whole bloody lot and get someone in there that's got some kahunas to say, right, this is the way we're doing it. We're not having the players run the bloody the game. We will run it. We will appoint people who will run our national team and our state team. And we will run our, our sport the way we want, not how bloody Channel 7 and bloody any other bloody broadcasters want to do. They want to get their money in. They want to get the money in. The only way they'll get the money in is broadcasting a good sport. We'll run the sport good. And if they don't want to pay what we say, we'll get someone else who will. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword at the moment if you're a broadcaster, James, because you'd be loving all this drama. You'd be loving the fact that there's so much talk out there and so much being generated because that's publicity. That's what throws you on the back and front pages. But when you're a broadcaster like Channel 7 in particular, who's made it very clear that they paid too much and they want out of this deal, I wonder where that sits and then the scheduling, etc. If you go back to the decisions that were made post-2018, different CEO, different board at the time. And I've had my say about that. It was knee-jerk, absolutely knee-jerk um, reactions. They were heavy reactions and they needed to come down hard. I, I, I'm of the opinion that they went over the top on that. When we take a look at this review process that's been going on, which has now been just shown up to be blatantly farcical, well, Cricket Australia, it appears, is not responsible for the decisions of the review panel and the council assisting and what David Warner is claiming that they've been trying to put in place. They're not responsible for that, but they're responsible for putting in the review panel in the first place, changing the code of conduct and taking nine months to do it. So you can lay some blame there. The bottom line out of all this, James, you can't outsource leadership. It's that simple. Um, and we say, how many times do we say in football terms as well, back them or sack them? You know, like if it comes to the point where a coach is, is in that precarious position, well, it's up to the CEO and the board to either back or sack. You can't have it halfway. And there appears to be a lot of halfway decisions trying to be made to appease everybody. And the fact of the matter is when it comes to leadership, you can't appease everybody. You've got to make tough decisions. So they either say, right, this is the process that's in place and it's ironclad, or Dave, We've given you this uh, lifetime leadership ban. That's the way it's going to stay. And they wouldn't have found themselves in this problem. What do you think about that? I mean, is it, is it leadership is an issue? The other thing, James, I, I will say this. The other thing is that we've got to remember that these people that go to work at Cricket Australia don't go in there every day. Nick Hockley doesn't go in there every day trying to stuff things up. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. He's a professional bloke who's got runs on the board and has a passion for the game. So they go every day to try and do the job to the best of their abilities and try and do what's best for the game. But history's showing us over the last four to five years, 
that the organisation as a whole seems to trip over when the big decisions come in front of them? Oh, that's it. I mean, you say, oh, they don't go in there. I don't think they would go in there to do it deliberately, but they're not doing it. And I mean, if there's someone stuffing it up all the time, who sacks them? If the bosses have been stuffing things up, who sacks them and says, hey, you're not up to the job? Out you go. Who does that? But no, they just sort of like give it to their mates again. Oh, you have it again, mate. You know, oh, I'll pass it on to you. I'm getting too much flack here, so I'll pass it over to my mate. And I'll still get my free tickets and uh, invites to the luncheons and hoity-toity and all that sort of stuff. No, sorry. <laughs> you know, yeah. the bosses are stuck, you know. You've got to have someone, you know. If, if as a boss, a normal company, you have the shareholders all up in arms and they'll be kicking them out. Well, if you look at here, the shareholders basically are as the public. What's the public opinion? Yeah, well, I can tell you what it is. I can tell you what it is, mate. Yeah, thank you for your call. I can tell you what it is because it's right in front of me and it's been right in front of me. And and I'm going to be, you know, cards on the table here. This is not a Cricket Australia bashing exercise. There's nothing around that whatsoever, but you've got to call it out for what it is. And we're invested in this game. It's our national pastime. Well, it used to be. Is it still? And we love the game. There's so much passion around it. I can continue with all of these text messages that you're sending in. You're buying into the argument here. And... What we're trying to get to the bottom of is how time and time again they can get themselves into a position where the big decisions need to be made, the big messages need to be clear. Those decisions are getting tangled up as bad as the messages are. And I'll give you a case in point. Less than 4,000 people were at Optus Stadium on the day that Australia took 10 wickets to win the Test match against the West Indies. 3,800 people for a test match crowd. And you try and get some serious answers around that and what that really means, and what you get is gobbledygook. That isn't going to help anyone. No way in the world. They could take, as I've said time and time again, some very, very strong lessons out of the way that the Socceroos uh, held themselves and managed themselves and delivered their message on the other side of the world over there in Qatar about who they were playing for, what they were playing uh, for and how they were going about it. It was very simple, it was very straightforward, and we rode the wave. On that, let's catch up with Simon Hill, who's back in the country, and of course the global game is back tonight from 10.30 with uh, Adam Peacock. Last time we spoke, Simon, good morning, mate. You were over there in Qatar soaking it all up, and a lot has happened since, including this holding pattern that we're in at the moment. So, can you give me your top-line view on, on what unfolded for the Socceroos over there and where you reckon Football Australia is at right now? Um, well, they're probably in a state of euphoria, given that uh, they've just earned millions from getting two to around the 16. <laughs> and obviously, it's, it's uh, given the game a big boost in this country as well. Um, you would be hoping, obviously, that we see some of the, the, the knock-on effects when the A-Leagues resume, or the A-League men's resumes this weekend. The women's has been going for a few weeks throughout the World Cup. Uh, so, yeah, I think in, overall, you know, it was a fabulous tournament for the Socceroos uh, and highlighted, again, just uh, how much, you know, football is a part of the fabric of, of this country with those wonderful scenes of thousands and thousands of fans uh, gathering at the live sites in the wee small hours of the morning. It was it was terrific. So uh, obviously I was in Qatar and it was uh, it was great to see all that from a distance. And we tried to do our bit inside the stadium, albeit a little bit smaller in number. Yeah, exactly. I 
I like the way... Do you remember when they put out that video before they went over there? And I thought there was some very, very clever work around that because it allowed the Socceroos to essentially deflect any questions that they were going to get. So there was one thing that Graham Arnold's men didn't have to worry about. That was one thing. And then they... Then they started to make sure that everyone knew that there was the Australian spirit and the nationalistic pride at stake here. So they invested the Aussie audience and the Aussie supporter into it. I thought that they played this behind the scenes, away from what the team did itself. I I thought that they played this really well. And that comes with no knowledge of the inside workings, mate. That that just comes from a spectator's sort of pullback view. Do you agree with that or, or do you think there was a little bit more going on and did it all rest in the end with the success of the team? Well, I mean, first of all, on the, on the message that they put out pre-tournament, yes, uh, obviously that was, uh, you know, with, with hindsight. I mean, even at the time, it was a smart thing to do because it did allow them to focus on the football. However, I, I should say, I don't think that was the reason why they did it. It might have been a nice byproduct. But I think they genuinely wanted to, you know, to be upfront about what they believed in, and uh, I think that was a really good thing to do. And, and it made an absolute nonsense of Arsene Wenger's recent claim that, you know, those who were focused on the politics didn't have a good tournament. Um, <laughs> well, Australia did. Uh, so I thought it was, you know, it, it was a very good thing to do, a very positive thing to do. I mean, obviously, had they struggled on the field, then we might be having a different conversation today. You know, football, any sport is a a results-based business. Um, I I know the Aussie spirit DNA stuff plays well to a domestic audience. Uh, People in Australia love that sort of thing. But, you know, it's it's not really about that. I, I mean, they were very well prepared. And they played as a collective. Now, if you want to, if you want to call that DNA and spirit, well, okay, that, that's fair enough. But yeah. I, I think that's a little bit insulting to other countries that suggest that they don't play for their country. Um, every every player, you know, is probably proud of his country and wants to play their absolute best. Um, but I, I think what Graham Arnold did, uh, and this is not just at the tournament, but in the build-up to it, is he is. He has fostered a, a sense of, of togetherness amongst the squad. Because let's be honest, this is not the golden generation. Uh, and this is no disrespect to the current crop of players. They are not Harry Kuehl or Mark Viduka or Tim Cahill or Mark Schwartz or Lucas Neal. Um, but they, they performed much better than the sum of their parts. Uh, and some of that is, is due to that, uh, you know, uh, commonality of, of values and commonality of... Uh, the way they were going to play. And uh, we, we saw the results of that, which was fantastic. That's not to say that they're a squad without talent, far from it. Um, but it's certainly not the best crop of players we've had over the last 20 or 30 years. And the fact that they managed to go so far in the tournament was testament really to uh, you know, the, the, the team spirit that, that, that they engendered. But to say it's Aussie DNA, I think is... Yeah, I think that's a little bit arrogant, to be honest. But I know that that plays well to a media audience here. Yeah, hundred percent. That's a that's a great summary. What do you reckon Arnie does next? Well, I mean, it's it's about whether he signs a new contract in in the short term. Um, he's gone away to Europe to to have a break over Christmas. I think he's earned that um, because the last two years have been very difficult for him uh, and the squad in in just trying to qualify for this tournament. Obviously, COVID played havoc with uh, the home fixtures that they were due to play. So Arnie spent months and months outside the country, away from his family, uh, doing the hard yards, trying to get the nation to the World Cup in the first place. And then 
obviously once we got there, you know, he did a terrific job in getting to the round of 16. Now, I think he's earned the chance to put his feet up and, and take stock and decide uh, if he even wants to continue. And that's before we consider whether Football Australia are prepared to offer him a new deal. Uh, if you'd have asked people, the vast majority of people ahead of the World Cup, do you want Graham Arnold to stay? I think most would have said, no, get him on his way. You know, we've had enough, blah, blah, blah. Uh, now, that's changed a little bit, um, which, again, just goes to underline how much of a results-based business football is. Um, but I think there's a lot to consider for both uh, Graham Arnold and for Football Australia. Obviously, this is uh, the next phase that's leading into the Asian Cup and the next World Cup. Uh, but Arnie's done a terrific job, um, not, not just at the World Cup, but bringing through a, a lot of new players a, a next generation of, of talent so uh, if he was to stay I think probably most people would say yeah great we, you know we, we'll uh, we'll be on board with that but uh, Arnie might have different ideas I'm not sure and, and Football Australia too as well. So as we go to the quarterfinals uh, a last one for you who's your favourite and who's your smoky of the eight teams left? Well, I think the favourites... I mean, I picked Argentina before the start of the campaign and they're still in it, so I, I probably should stick with them. But obviously, when you watch Brazil play, uh, as I have done and many people have done throughout this World Cup, it's difficult not to get the sense that they are the favourites uh, because they're just irresistible at times. And they, and they were in their last match against uh, South Korea. Uh, a smoky, well, if Cristiano Ronaldo's antics doesn't trip them up, then you'd probably be looking at Portugal. Um you know, they've got a quarterfinal coming up against Morocco, which on paper is very winnable, even though they're on a great roll, the Africans. Uh, in the semi-final, they would play England or France. Uh, I'd, I'd love to say England, obviously, having been born there, but I, I don't quite think England's defence is good enough. So I'd say Brazil are the favourites and, and perhaps Portugal as the Smokies. Yeah, depending a lot on Cristiano Ronaldo, like you say. Good man, you're back on deck next week with Alex Tuesday night at 9 o'clock, and Adam Peacock will be in the chair tonight with the nightly global game at 10.30. Thank you, mate. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll catch up again soon. Cheers, Matty. All the best. Simon Hill. So you catch him right here next Tuesday, back in business at 9 o'clock, and Adam Peacock will take you through everything later on tonight. Uh, Rooster Man says, so if you're a friend of Nick Hockley, get him on the phone, Matty. Crickets. Uh, I'm not a friend of Nick Hockley at all. Uh, (laughs) I don't know the man that well at all. Um, We've spoken to him on this network and I'm well and truly aware of his professional credentials as well and will absolutely reach out uh, to the CEO of Cricket Australia. He's normally sort of restricted in terms of how many media interviews they can do and if that means that he'll be having a chat with Jared Waitley today, then so be it and that'll be on the SEN network. But no, I'm not a friend of Nick Hockley at all, Rooster Man, so... Not sure where you picked that one up. 0457736736 is my number. Who is your favourite and who's your Smokey of the eight teams left in the World Cup? So the quarterfinals getting underway on Saturday morning with the first one at 2am, obviously. So we go back to the 2am, 6am setup. Croatia, Brazil. Uh, last time I checked, Brazil $2.80 cup favourites. And then Netherlands, Argentina, and Argentina, $5.50 third favourites. Then Sunday, it'll be Morocco v Portugal. So the Portuguese are eight bucks to win the cup and clear favourites to win that match. And then we've got England v France at 6am on Sunday. 
Can't wait for them to get back onto the pitch either. We will take a break. It's 21 minutes after 11 in New South Wales, 21 after 10 in Queensland. Got a bit of news out of uh, Queensland. So Katie Brown telling us that um, Payne Haas has injured his ankle. Tommy, jump in here, can you? That's exactly right, isn't it? It was an ankle injury. Yes, that's right. So it's just talking to me in the break there. It's an ankle injury at training and has uh, gone off the training paddock. So there's something for us to keep an eye on. We'll keep you across that one. Uh, Rhino Mike says, thank God the Bulldogs released Corey Allen. Uh, injury prone. Good luck at the Roosters, Tommy. He'll be in rehab before the season starts. Wow, Rhino Mike. Let's give him, <laughs> give him a break. Uh, a couple of texts. Now, again, our, our David Warner um, free zone is over, folks. And I'll tell you why. That's all the text messages that are here and plenty of them. Uh, however, hang on. It's summer, says Tim. Talk, cricket or basketball? I know 99% of your listeners are footy only people, but it is a sports, in brackets, plural network. Uh, yeah, okay. Fair enough. Well, we talk everything here, but obviously we've been weighted heavily towards uh, the world of D Warner today. Matt, do you know if there's going to be any Iron Man televised on TV over summer? I remember the hot summer days, watching them get smashed up in the big swells. It'd be awesome to see that again. I'm not sure. Where that is. Um, had plenty of years. Hamstrings from Narrabeen. Had plenty of years there. Having a lot of fun around the Uncle Toby Super Series and called that for many years as well. And you're right. It was fantastic across the hot summers to see them out there. Um, two days in particular that come to mind down at Portsea, which was notorious for big surf. It was as scary as I've ever seen. And I remember just before they went out, the athletes took a vote as to do we go out or not. Uh, the women that were competing that day, they didn't go out. It was just simply too big and too dangerous. And the men, I remember them standing around taking a vote and they were all looking at Trevor Handy. And Trev was the first one to put up his hand, which meant that everyone else did because <laughs> he was the king of the jungle. And I could vividly remember seeing the faces of the young blokes there standing going, oh, really? I wish he didn't because he did. means we have to. And then the other year was Pihar Beach. P-I-H-A, folks. If you want to jump on YouTube, I'm sure it's there. Um, some of the biggest, angriest surf I've ever seen. It was absolutely scary. Phil Clayton at the time. Clayton, if you're listening in, g'day to you. One of the absolute geniuses out there in the surf. Never afraid of anything. Got all busted up and pinned underneath. And I remember he looked at me and said, this is mad, mate. I'm going to drown out here and I'm surrounded by the best, essentially, lifeguards in the world. So uh, great memories back throughout the days of the Uncle Toby Super Series and the Nutrigrain Ironman Series as well. And, of course, they ended up coming all back together again, essentially. But the Serial Wars, it's another great aspect of summer sport in Australia. OK, just, just one here from Martin says, Matty, I've been watching the FIFA Uncovered on Netflix. I've seen that. Jack Warner in Strife? Yeah, <laughs> he's a central character. And now you say Cricket Australia, David Warner in Strife. Maybe we need a laugh. How about some Warner Brothers? <laughs> Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Elmer Fudd. Ebedebedebede, that's all, folks. Uh, well, that takes it off in a different direction. We tried and tried to get away from that aspect. And we'll try and do that more in the final half hour of the program. And I've got a, a question I'm going to pose for Jimmy Smith as well. Now, don't forget, day one of the test in Adelaide. So second test, Australia lead and have therefore claimed the Frank Worrell Trophy. It's only a two-test series. So for our Queensland listeners, your coverage right here on SEN starts 1 o'clock your time. And obviously for our Sydney 
slash New South Wales listeners. That is 2 p.m. So SEN Test Cricket coming up straight after a short and Jimmy Smith show and it'll roll you straight into day one of play at the Adelaide Oval. Here's the news. Thank you, Vanessa. Our final half hour of the program. I'm a bit rung out, Tommy. I'm a bit... A bit tired. <laughs> a bit, uh, bit flabbergasted by today's activities. Uh, Tony on the text line says, Matt, Cristiano Ronaldo, David Warner and Prince Harry, yawn fest. I mean, we haven't even got to Prince Harry yet. I was going to say, did and... we mention Prince Harry? I didn't think we did. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's clearly in the collective psyche of those. I, I thought we only covered the world of sport. Well, we sometimes um, do entertainment. They've just released a new documentary, Harry and Megan. It's going to be on Netflix, I believe, today. Is it today? I believe it is today, yeah. It is It is today. Look, Mark, I w- you'll be watching, will you? What, 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 what do you mean <laughs> I'll be watching? Because I'm, I'm from the UK. Well, you did say the other day you would actually watch it. I mean, knowingly, I am going to watch there it. But I go. don't like the assumption. Oh. There you go. The stereotypes, no, stereotypes ring true, Matty. The assumption is that we've, the assumption the is that we've been winding each other up. Uh, us and the listeners have been winding each other up deluxe today. So that was a wind-up because anything to do um, with England normally gets you all worked up. Does it not? ABE. Come on, France. Looking forward to see. See? See? Anyone but Blue England. Tommy. Yes. Tommy. Now, just tell our listeners how many people are in the morning sh- Mornings with Matt White uh, show department, as in those that, that work directly on this show. Directly on this show? Uh, three. Directly on this show. Three. Yep. There's, there's me. There's you. Yep. And there's Mark. Yep. That's us, right? That's, that's how we control this, this scenario. And then we've got the, the entire network behind us. Yes, of course. We've got all their support. Ha- <laughs> what we need to do is we need to become like an NRL football club okay. when it comes to having a look at our staffing. So can you just do me a favour and just take this entire proposal to Hutchie? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you've got, you've got more say. Am, am I about to lose my job here, mate? Sorry. I'm, I'm... <laughs> no, 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 no. If all goes according to plan, we're about to double up, at least double up on the amount of jobs that we've got in the morning show. What I'm saying is we're about to create a, a mega department. How many people do you reckon are at a, a football staff department at the moment? Well, I'd, I'd go with 10. 10? 10. 10? Yeah. Mark, we're talking NRL. Uh, Care to have a guess? Yeah, I, it has, has to be loads. I mean, in football teams, that's what I come from. That's why I know a lot. It'd be like seven, six or seven for like a big professional team of like first team backroom staff. Lower yeah. or higher, Matty? <laughs> higher. Higher. So I saw a post, this is from the Seagulls, and I saw a post, and what, what actually caught my eye was that they've one of the new faces on Siebes' staff is a mental skills coach by the name of Andrew May. Now, those who know um, in cricket in particular across many Olympic sports as well and at the Parramatta Reels over the last two seasons, A. May has been the physical performance manager. He's been signed up as part of the Manly um, staff as a mental skills coach, which is a bloody good get. But then I, I actually had a look at how many staff there are. So let me let me run through this. This is this is awesome, and this is what we need to aspire to. Okay, there's a head coach, two assistant coaches, 
a skills development coach, training coordinator and transition coach. There's a football analyst, a wrestling coach, a mentor positional coach, a GM of footy, head trainer in football operations, recruitment times two, high performance consultant, mental skills coach, athletics performance coach times two, sports scientist and dietitian, CMO, chief medical officer, head physiotherapist, rehab physiotherapist, soft tissue therapist, well-being and education manager, pathways and women's program manager, head of security and media manager. Wow. That's impressive. That's a lot. That's impressive. So it leads me to this question. We're not going to quadruple our staff. I just don't think the budget's there because a lot of it goes to Jimmy. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> what do we need the most, do you think? Oh. If we could pick out something out of there, do we need a, do we need a well-being, an education manager? Maybe a soft tissue Rehab manager soft or something. Tissue. I wouldn't mind a massage every day, buddy. Oh, no, oh, okay. I just wouldn't mind a massage <laughs> after the show. You know, the shoulders get a bit tense. You yeah. know, sometimes the, 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 the stories that we're dealing with are very serious. Sometimes yeah. I just need to relax a little bit after a show. Mental skills coach, that that would certainly help. Do we need recruitment? No, we don't, we don't need recruitment because we're trying to keep our jobs. Yes, exactly. Uh, do we need uh, a wrestling coach? Ooh, maybe well, we, we can, can go yeah, with the wrestling Fair coach. enough, because we can set out some differences after the show with some wrestling. I don't know. I don't know about well, you no, guys. during. Oh, during, yeah, sure. I don't know about you yeah. guys, but I wouldn't be against a sports dietitian. Sports personally. dietitian? Personally, just personally. Yeah. Sports dietitian, yeah. let's do it. Yeah. Sports scientist as, as well, we could, we could double they, up that one. Do they well. really need 23 people in their football department? Isn't this a club this that's trying to restrict? This would be across the board, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah, this would be. Enough. This has only just jumped out at me because I, I saw the post this morning, and I and and this would be you know this would be replicated time and time again. So I think um, I think there's got to be something in here that we could take out. Do we need a fo- well football analyst? I mean, we've got plenty of those. We've got some of the, the absolute best analysts in the game. Training coordinator. We could do with a training coordinator. Yep, that's fair enough. Not, not to defend the Seagulls, is this the first year that the NRLW Seagulls will be joining as well? And will I, they I, have don't, some bela- kind I of... don't believe the Seagulls have no. an NRLW no? team. No, oh, they there don't. We are. I no, thought they, they might don't. have something to do with, with that then. But... No, I, I'm pretty sure that if you went through every club, you'd get this kind of thing. What I'm, what I'm trying to do, I'm not having a look at the, the number, which is, which is big. I'm trying to see how we could take something out of a football organisation. Do we need a head of security? Well, we, no one sees us, money. That's the thing. People would recognise you, but they wouldn't recognise me or Mark. They just might recognise our well, voices. Hang on, hang on. I beg to differ. Do you, do you <laughs> not remember the great Woolworths? Or well, that was because of what I was wearing, not because of who I was. <laughs> we don't need to bring that up again. Okay. Maybe our listeners can tell us. What, what do we need to expand our department here? I get the feeling after today, I mean, every club's got a CMO, right? A chief medical officer. Yep. I reckon we could have our own CMO, a chief mediation officer. I don't mind that. That's good. Yeah. I or think, just, I mean, or, or be... just a physio. I wouldn't mind a massage after every show, buddy. <laughs> well, I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to grow, you know, our morning show um, family here as to what we could need. Stu reckons <laughs> that we can <laughs> Stu reckons we have a rooster's sensor. Okay, there you go. A CRC, Chief Roosters Sensor. Do we That's do we honestly bad. do we honestly need and speak speak openly, Matty? Here because this is your show, so you have to speak op- openly and honestly. Do I mm. need to restrict back how much I mention the Roosters when when the NRL season kicks off next year? No, I don't think you do. No, I, that doesn't mean that we can't do with a Chief Roosters Sensor, which yep. is which can be me. 
Um, and, but you know what? If you pull back on the amount of chat that you have about the Roosters, what are our listeners going to bag you about? Exactly. That's the thing. It goes hand in hand. <laughs> and I'm happy to take the criticism. I think we have to <laughs> seriously consider security. That can be the main one because Jimmy Smith, we don't actually, he's not supposed to be on pro- promoing his show at the end of each of your shows, Matt. He just walks in. He just walks yeah. in, turns we're, the mics we're on doing him, We're doing him a favour. Yeah. Someone needs to keep Jimmy out of the studio. That's what I'm thinking. Well, in that case, in that case, after all of that, if we're putting it straight on Jimmy, that's when I think we need a wrestling coach. Fair enough. Hey, Maddie, before I go, can I bring up one thing with you? Or two things with you, firstly. <laughs> yes. So yesterday's show, I spoke about David Warner and his troubling form heading into next year in 2023. And then it was brought to my attention by our good friend James Battle, who's our head engineer here at SEN, that shortly after on Wide World of Sports, it was posted at 12.03 by a writer named Brett Graham. And the quotes here are from the great Ian Chappell, the great Ian Chappell. And he goes on to say, Warner is quite smart and I think he will understand all those things. This is in, in regards to his poor form. Um, he'll probably get a better idea after they play South Africa. He'll be playing a really good pace, pace attack. That could be, his form could be a question if, when he goes to England or even before he goes to India if the South African series is a disaster for him. Do you think Chappelle was listening to the program yesterday <laughs> and speaking about my little editorial about David Warner's struggling could form? Have been. Could have been. Could have been. The feather in your cap is that former Australian captain took on board if he was listening. So very, took very on board funny. what you were saying. And one, one, one final thing. So we all know yes. Magic Round NRL been around since 2019. And it was announced, what, last month that the AFL are doing their own Magic Round. Um, it's going to be played in South Australia. Now, Matty, have you seen the news about what reportedly, this was broken by Mitch Cleary, the Channel 7 uh, head AFL reporter down in Melbourne. Have you heard what, this is not official, but Mitch is in the know. So obviously these things get leaked before to kind of gauge public, public interest. Do you think? Do you have an idea about what um, the AFL's Magic Round is going to be called? Hint: It's not going to be called Magic Round. I did see this. You did see is this. It gather Round. It is called Gather Round. Gather Space Round. Seriously, that is terrible. <laughs> Gil McLaughlin, hello. What are you doing there? You got a big marketing team, sure worth a couple of mil. Can you come up with something a little bit better than Gather Round? <laughs> They'll just they'll well, go on about their, their big crowds and how they're the biggest sport in the country, blah, blah, blah. Can you come up with a bigger name than Gather Round? I thought people from Melbourne were a bit smarter than that, Matty. I'll just say that. If this was April Fool's Day, I'd go, yeah, you got us. Yeah, yeah, good one. Got us. Gather Round, folks. Gather Round. Uh, a couple of texts. Matty, you need your own barbershop on site. All the top clubs have one. That's what we need. That Not a barbershop. I had my haircut. Yes. What we need, Centre of Excellence. A centre of excellence, oh, yeah. Right? Okay, that's fair enough. There that's you cool. go. The morning show, centre of excellence. And maybe the best caller from each day gets to come in and have a little tour of the centre of excellence. Yeah, visit the barbershop. Exactly. <laughs> All right, back after this. Uh, what does the morning show department need? Well, Dan says a licensed bar for SEN. We'll take that. Uh, the reptile, Shaggy, you need an Oscar for the monologue at the start of the show. 20 minutes of banging on. Well, we might need the we might need the license bar after that one, especially this morning. Got a little bit heated on that. Uh, the next couple of hours, Jimmy Smith's going to avoid talking about David Warner. Good luck with that. Um, why, why wouldn't we get to the unlicensed bar? That sounds more fun, doesn't it? It's true. That's true. Now, just tell me that you were in the other studio for the last ten minutes. Were you head down? 
Yeah. Well, yeah, hang, hang on. All right. That makes no, no, me a little fine. nervy. What's no, going no, on? Nothing for us What's to talk about. On? Okay. No defamation laws were right. breached in in the <laughs> in the sledging of your character. You know and what? what was it, needed. Here's the thing, Maddie. If it's true, it's a very strong defence. <laughs> That's what I'm worried about. <laughs> well, we're just we're we're trying to work out what we needed. I, I went through the the football department. And how many people are in a football department at any given time? Yes. And what we what we could pinch from that football department, we ended up thinking that the wrestling coach would be good, and that was to try and stop you from barging into the studio at the oh. each of at the end of each show. Barging in, yeah. Tom Costigan comes, knocks on the window, and says, "Will you please come in? Will you please?" Right. Oh, righto, mate. I'm busy, but righto. I, you know, I like Maddie. I like Mark. But you. Right. Oh, I, 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 so I, I have been noting what you've been talking about. And yes. do you know who Carl Ward is, Matt? No, should no. I? No, Carl was the timekeeper at the the Sydney Roosters or the Eastern Suburbs Roosters when I first went there in 1990. He held the position for, a, I think, 130 years. So it certainly seemed <laughs> that way, Carl. A great fella, uh, legend of uh, one of those backroom guys that, you know, every club's got them. Timekeeper. Yeah. I think the timekeeper here on the mornings programs need to incredibly accurately log who gets the most airtime, you know, like because I believe, I believe there is a coup d'etat mm. that could be uh, about to emerge. And don't worry, just when you thought it was Tom Costigan, take more and more. I'm hearing Mark yeah, exactly. from the Northern England state of Scotland. <laughs> Getting more and more involved in the program. Yeah, the quiet. You've got to be careful of the quiet Watch ones. Watch the quiet you? ones. Exactly yeah. right. Two, exactly. See what I've got to deal with? Two very different approaches. On one, on one side, I've got, to, I've got to fire off Tommy, you know, who's, who's just so brazen with the way that he comes in and tries to take over. Yes. And on the other side, I've just got to make sure I've got enough bullets there just in case Mark steps out of his out of his zone and, and pops up and takes over like he's about to. If we have, to, to, if we have yes. to watch the quiet ones, then who's watching Jimmy Smith? I mean, it's got to be low, wow. low numbers there. Then. Low Coach numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Low numbers. Yeah, yeah, low yeah, numbers. Yeah. Hey, what was, it, what, was, what was your take, Matty? What was the overall take on the David Warner situation? My take is that David Warner wasn't in the right, clearly, when all this happened in 2018, but I think he's got every right to walk away from this mess because the process around the review panel has been extraordinarily clunky. And I think it's okay that he slams the door on the way out because I think they've cocked it up. That's that's my take on it. This has got nothing to do with the penalty that he got and what happened in 2018. This whole system was set up to consider whether or not he was remorseful, what his conduct's been, and whether or not he'd rehabilitated. And they went outside of those rules of engagement. And then they wanted to do it publicly. Why was he to publicly. be subjected to it publicly? You know, that, that is completely unfair. And I, I agree with you all the way on that one. And then you go, why? Why would Cricket Australia do that? And the thing that I come back to there is because they don't want him anymore. Well, their biggest problem's gone now. And, and like I said before, at the end of the day, after all of this, Jimmy, after all of these code of conduct changes and this review panel and all that kind of stuff, in the end, it was David Warner who pulled the plug. And that's what they wanted, right? And now they want him to score no runs. When I say they, I would suggest many, many people within Cricket Australia, they don't want him to score runs and that he can go away. And, and that's mm. what it feels like. Like for them to be able to do that, the, the council assisting the inquiry said, no, we're going to make it public. It's like, all right, that's it. 
That's it. I'm out of here. Ah, good. Now, we just need him to fail. And then once that's the case, then that's an easy selection decision to make too. Oh, sorry, mate. You're not scoring runs. See you later. Yeah. That- and the other side is that David Warner himself's had enough. He's had enough of all this. He's finally put up the white flag and going, oh, I'm out. And that is I'm- completely understandable. Yeah. Completely totally understandable. So, yeah, totally. we're going we're gonna to dip into that. I'm on and off the phone with James Erskine, David's manager. Um, yep. So every opportunity that we'll get, we can, we'll speak to him just after midday, which I can't wait. Jaleesa Apps, Gareth Hall with a tip, Jason Sanger, who's going to be the captain of David Warner in the BPL <laughs> this year, and RJ Ochoa looking at week 14 of the NFL. Big show. Well, like, like I said to Nathan McAndrew, when, when David Warner gets into that BBL setup, oh. he'll be angry. Hey? Yeah. <laughs> he'll be angry and he'll want to take it out on everyone. He's going to tee off one game, isn't he? And the other yeah. thing, just as I leave you, uh, and this will be our last show of the year too uh, for the afternoons, as I leave yes. you, watch the quiet ones, Matt. Mm, always will. Have a good show, mate. Thanks, buddy. A final text from uh, Paulie, the lawn bowler. Good morning. Listening to the driver's seat last night, the boys came out with one of the best shouts I've heard this year. Supercars, Red Bull Racing, wildcard entry for enduro races next year of Craig Lowndes and Red Bull's new signing of Dan Ricciardo. Mm, there you go. That's not a bad shout at all. And while the shouts are coming out, says Paul, Matty Renshaw to open for the test side in the 2023 Ashes series. Thank you for that. On the show tomorrow, Rob Quiney will join us. We'll do our top tips with Chris Nelson. And special guest, Football Australia CEO James Johnson will also be on the program. You know what? We've gone toe-to-toe today, you and I, back and forth over the last two or three hours, depending on where you've been tuned in. It's been a lot of fun, and I've got respect for that. I've had my say, you've had your say. Tomorrow, we'll try and find some middle ground along the way and have some fun for the last show of the week. Stay tuned. Jimmy Smith coming your way, and, of course, the full ball-by-ball coverage of the second test from Adelaide Oval right here on SEN Test Cricket. See you tomorrow, folks.